0: Welcome to Nairobi Chapel, Mbakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. So today, uh, we want to talk about saving. Saving matters. And when I talk about saving, it will be, you can interchange it with investing. I know they are different, but I think the key element here is just the discipline of saving, of putting money aside. Yeah. Uh, Last week, we started with some statistics on giving and we discovered that Kenya is actually doing relatively well in Africa, right? In terms of saving, where do you think we are? Do you think we are doing well? No? No? Yes? Pardon? Comatres, I am sorry. Compared to giving, uh, are we better in terms of saving? We are worse. Actually, that's true. Uh, some statistics as usual, Sub-Saharan Africa, which where well, Kenya is part of Sub-Saharan Africa says that the savings rates are low, about 17% of GDP. GDP basically is just a, a measure of how much a country produces in a certain year. So the savings rate in Sub-Saharan Africa is around 17% of GDP, which is low. Kenya is at 11.7%. So we're even lower than the average of the sub-Saharan Africa. This is according to uh, IMF in a report they released in 2018. Uganda and Tanzania are actually ahead of us, believe it or not. yeah, They are upwards of, uh, actually they are, they are above the average of that 17-18%. They are upwards of, of 20%. In fact, if you look at, there's something we call GDP per capita, which means what the country has produced, then you divide by the number of inhabitants in that country. Kenya is higher than TZ and UG, which basically means per person, quote-unquote, per person, each person in Kenya is wealthier than each person in UG and TZ. But these guys are saving more than us, which means that in time X in the future, those economies, if this rate continues, those economies will actually overtake us, which is, It's not a bad thing for them, but it's not good for us. Uh, So why don't Kenyans save money? Why don't Kenyans save more? The first reason when you ask people is I don't earn enough. Many of the surveys that have gone out, that's the main reason people give that uh, if I could earn a bit more, I'd be able to save, but currently I'm not in a position to save money. Uh, but other reasons are a rising cost of living, uh, income is not going up, the cost of everything else seems to uh, be going up, uh, these job losses in the private sector, and you've, you've witnessed it. If it's not affected you, you know someone it has affected, or it has affected you directly. People are losing jobs uh, right, left and centre. Then one thing about our economy is that consumption drives our economy. Consumption drives our economy. We love consumption. We love just to spend. Friday, there's always a plan. We complain, we complain it's mid month, but somehow when Friday comes, it's like mid month disappears. And you wonder where are people getting money? <laughs> yeah? Uh, then the other thing is we talked about this in week one. Access to borrowing has increased right now. I can just take my phone and get uh, a loan like this. It never used to be that way back in the day, so there is uh, increased borrowing, uh, which means that I don't have to save because when I hit a difficult spot, I can just access credit. So those are some of the reasons why Kenyans do not save. So if I can put that in a sentence, I can say Kenya is a credit-fueled economy. ...with a youthful population that likes to spend and has included wastage into a way of life. (laughs) (laughs) Kenya is a credit-fueled economy with a youthful population that likes to spend and has included wastage into a way of life. One of the directors uh, in one of the local banks wrote an article some time back and said this... One of the population segments that is adversely affected by this poor savings culture is the young working class. These are the young Kenyans on their first or second jobs. They are keen on making their way up the middle class and achieving financial freedom, but frequently make poor financial decisions such as taking unnecessary car loans. Mm. This limits the ability to save, invest, and prosper. Look at that chronology. You save, whatever you have saved you invest it and then you will prosper. He continues to say that savings provide a soft landing in times of financial shock such as job loss, allowing one to clear their debts on time and still get by. A young professional with dreams of achieving financial freedom needs to minimize the possibility of defaulting on loans as this could negatively impact their credit ratings and limit their access to a loan in future when they really need it, for instance, when starting a business. And considering this is someone from a bank writing this, I'm like, well, oh. <laughs> There are people who should be encouraging you to take the, but you can see someone who's looking at what is happening, probably, probably he has a son or a daughter that age and is like, this generation is heading to a place that is not so good. Uh, A report done by KNBS, CBK and FSD called FinAccess in 2019, the outcome of this study was the borrowing rate in Kenya is at its highest in the last 10 years while the savings rate is at its lowest. So we don't seem to be heading in the right direction. Borrowing rate is at its highest, savings rate at its lowest. And you see, we we said that the main reason people give of not saving is I don't earn enough. It says that low savings among the poor are often a result of the way people think and not because of a lack of income. So it's a mindset thing. It's not because someone lacks income. There's a report that was done called World Development Report. And it showed examples in Kenya to illustrate this point. So I'll just read both of them. The first one says that an experiment with poor households that were in need of preventive health products such as uh, treated mosquito nets showed that providing people with a lockable metal box to save money or a dedicated savings account for health emergencies can increase savings. In this case, investment in these products rose by 75%. Basically what it means is These households needed to buy uh, health preventive health products. They could not afford them. But they were given uh, a a way out. They were given boxes whereby they can save money, or they were given accounts whereby they can save money. And without increasing their income, these households were able to afford those preventive uh, health products they were looking for, without even increasing their income. The second one says, the second example is from rural Kenya, where poor farmers typically use less than the optimal amount of fertilizer because of lack of funds at the time of applying the fertilizer. However, in an experiment, an option to pre-purchase fertilizer at the end, at the end of the harvest season. Normally at the end of the harvest season, farmers have money. So uh, they were told to pre-purchase fertilizer for the next season when you have harvested because you have money. And they're saying this resulted in higher fertilizer use than having subsidized fertilizer by 50% at the time of applying fertilizer. No income has been increased for these farmers, it's just pre-planning. At the time they had plenty, at the time of harvest, they decided to purchase fertilizer for the next season when they had these finances. So that the time came for uh, applying fertilizer they had already purchased it. So it's really a mindset, a, 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 a mindset thing. You, it has to be from the mind. It's not a lack of income. Because if you're not able to be diligent in whatever income we have right now, believe you me, even if another zero is added to your income, you will not be able to do it. You have to be diligent in whatever you are, you're getting right now so that even when you get that bigger one, you'll be able to continue uh, doing it. Now, let's go to our Bibles, uh, the book of Genesis 41. So we see what God's heart is regarding this subject for today. Genesis 41, Uh, those who are not there, or who don't know where Genesis 41 is, just after Genesis 40, you'll find it there. So this story is of uh, a guy named Joseph, you know the story, they had been sold by his brothers into slavery in Egypt. At this point he's actually in jail. He had been framed, he ended up in jail. Uh, Then this chapter begins with Pharaoh having two dreams and he was wondering what they were about and he needed someone to interpret. So he called his magicians, the wise men and they could not interpret. Then the cupbearer for Pharaoh remembered, Hey, I was in jail with this guy who interpreted my dream. And actually, that's what led to me being released because what he said actually came to pass. So, verse 14 says So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you. That when you hear a dream you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. 17 says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had, that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. was 22. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full, of, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin, and scorched by the, by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told these to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. 28. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. Verse 33 And now Pharaoh look, and now, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the, over the land to take a fifth The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials, so Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt, then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. If we move to verse 53, it says, The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried out, cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. So it's interesting to see uh, that this dream that uh, Pharaoh had, the interpretation of it was pretty much save in your time of plenty, save for the time of famine that is coming up ahead. And we're told that they put aside a fifth, so they saved 20% of what uh, they were harvesting, of the harvested grain. And with that, Joseph was not only able to save Egypt, but also the other countries or other nations that surrounded uh, Egypt. I think the key thing to note here is all these other nations experienced seven years of plenty. It's not only Egypt that experienced the seven years of plenty. All of them experienced it. However, Egypt did something that these others did not do. They actually saved. Put it aside in the seven years of plenty. Yeah. There's what we call denying of self, and you know when you set out to save or to invest, it means there is something you are foregoing now in order to be able to save and invest. So let denying of self be a choice. Right. Let denying of self be a choice rather than an inevitability. Because if you, don't let, if you don't make it a choice, inevitably the denying will come on you. So let denying of self be a choice during the seven years of plenty rather than in an inevitability. Let it be in your control and not the other way round. Uh, I remember someone uh, who had put up uh, a post on social media saying start saving now yeah, to avoid calling people in January fake friends. <laughs> <Yeah>? <laughs> start saving now to avoid po- calling people in January fake friends. And you can see this is exactly what happened in these times of Joseph saving. It is said that those who save more become wealthier because foregoing consumption today allows one to invest in the future. And a gentleman known as Henry David Thoreau said, I make myself rich by making my wants few. I make myself rich by making my wants few. Those those Bluetooth earphones were just wants for me. You know, (laughs) thank God I was... They brought me back <laughs> that. But it's clear that we need to save. And hear this. Seven years of farming are guaranteed. They will come. There is a time that things will be difficult, you know. So it's good to have foresight and it's good to save when you're in the seven years of planting. So we need to save for we look at three different times or th- three different things you need to save for. The first one is we need to save for retirement. We need to save for retirement. If you have started working, already you should start thinking about your retirement. I work in the retirement benefits industry and I know that people retire and end up in a lot of trouble. Senior people, people who are earning very well, it's not about how much you earn. That is one thing I've seen. I have seen also people who are not so senior, but they seem to have retired very well, you know. So we need to prepare. Numbers 825 says, but at the age of 50, they must retire from performing the work and no longer serve. It's in the Bible. (laughs) But they were talking about the Levites, yeah? So retirement is coming. That one you know, retirement is coming and you need to prepare for it. Why? Because you will be older at that time. You will not be able to run around the way you do right now. So, this is the time you need to prepare for then. Your future self will thank you if you do that. Number two, you will not be employable. That's true. Yeah, at that age, if you go to LinkedIn, (laughs) probably your profile will not be matching any job that is out there. You know. So you will not be employable, and if you are an entrepreneur in business, you might be less innovative compared to the competition right there. Maybe new other guys will come into your field and and disrupted it totally. Fortune 500, which is an annual list of uh, an, annual, an annual list compiled and published by the Fortune magazine, it normally ranks 500 of the largest U.S. corporations by total revenue. Now, if you look at the companies that were in the top 10 of this Fortune 500 list in the year 2000, compared with the ones that were there last year, only three, only three are in both lists. What happened to the other seven? Disruption. Disruption happens. Yeah. So it is crucial to save because you might be good at what you do right now. But you never know about the future. You never know what disruption will come into the industry that you're in. Then, the other thing. Assume you cleared college and you started working at age 25. And you retire at age 55. You've worked for 30 years, right? Um, Fast forward, assume today we are celebrating your 90th birthday. Imagine your years in retirement are longer than the years you spent working, because you worked for 30 years, and if you are celebrating your 90th birthday, it means you've been in retirement for 35 years, right? So who is funding these 35 years? If these 30 years you're earning, you're consuming. Who is funding these 35 years? So it's crucial, it's important to save for retirement. I'm, I'm saying I'm in that industry. We go for AGMs and meet people who are very old, extremely old. But the guy tells you, come see you menda. you know, so it's very important. The other thing about re- re- being in retirement, we are advanced in age and with that comes health, conditions. We tend to frequent the hospital a bit more. And at this point you don't have, uh, your employer is no longer covering you if you have a cover or even if you are paying for your own medical cover it becomes a bit more expensive when you are advanced in age. So we need to save for retirement. The second reason we need to save, we need to save for future generations. When you're saving, don't think about yourself only. Don't think about David, don't think about your son and your daughter. Think about their children. Think about their children. Proverbs thirteen twenty two says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Huh? So you're not even looking at you or your children, you're even looking to that other generation. Proverbs thirteen twenty two. So you need to save, live an inheritance children there is something that we normally say in this nation and I don't like it you have your child and you say retirement if you say that please stop <laughs> yeah your child will be looking to secure for their grandchildren not securing for their parents yeah that is how it's meant to be so work hard. Not just for you, not just for your children, but for your children's children. The third thing we need to save for, it is we need to save for uncertain times. We need to save for uncertain times. Someone said that uncertain times are certain in that they will happen, just that we don't know when they will happen. I think right now what we're experiencing is we're in uncertain times with whatever is happening in the world. someone was telling me that their business has just been totally disrupted They in the events business and just the director that came on Friday, they had to cancel so many events and you earn per event so they were wondering okay so what happens to my livelihood now Yeah. so many businesses are being affected and these are uh, uncertain times yeah but how can we prepare for uncertainties how can we prepare for these Seven years of famine. We can be like Joseph. Hmm? You know the way those guys post and say, "Be like Joseph." Yeah. Yes, we can be like Joseph, and set up what we call an emergency fund. So savings has a lot of parameters, but I think today let's I want us to focus on just something we call an emergency fund because that is exactly what Joseph did uh, in the Bible. An emergency fund is just a, a money that you've set aside that you can quickly access in case an emergency arises, yeah. So it's important to have this. And it is recommended to have between three to six months of your living expenses in your emergency fund. Yeah, so it's not, it's not something small, yeah. So it's recommended to have between three to six months. And I think because the uncertain times you're living in are so uncertain, I'd rather even work with the six months just to provide a good safety net. And it's one of the things we set up with my wife to do this year. We said we have to build up that emergency fund. Because emergencies happen, and they always happen, and they always come. So, emergencies, the emergencies we're talking about, one, job loss, we've talked about that, or a surprise medical expense. Right now there are discussions on, oh, will the insurance companies cover uh, this pandemic? Some are saying no, they are not, others are saying yes, case by case, but medical expenses can come and they might find you unaware or they might find that the cover you're in does not cover or you've exceeded uh, the cover. The other thing is maybe you're a homeowner, home repairs, the roof is leaking yeah. or you, or your car something has happened to it and you need to repair it. So the emergency fund kicks in and allows you at least for your life uh, to move on. This portion of scripture we've read, verse 36, says the food should be held in reserve uh, for the country, to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt, so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Notice that it does not say that Egypt did not experience famine, it says that they were not ruined by the famine. The other nations were ruined by the famine. Why? Because they did not set up this emergency fund. And in this day and age, without having an emergency fund, some of the things that we may have to contend with is, and statistics have shown, that when households face these financial shocks, they take time to recover it's not easy to go back on your feet and it makes it difficult for this household to make ends meet after this emergency they end up going into debt yeah and if it's a surprise illness and you're not prepared your your health can even deteriorate because <laughs> you know how this what the situation is they tell you we need this we need this amount of money before we can admit you so if you don't have that money your health can actually deteriorate because of what you're suffering from and to now maybe the stress of not having the money to be able to cater for your medical expenses if if someone has lost a job and probably they have taken a mortgage you're worried the house can be they can be foreclosed if it's your business if it's your house yeah then also relationships break down during this time we say that Uh, marriages and families have been broken down because of financial issues. So that's what happens when you have not put a buffer or you have not saved or put up an emergency fund. So you ask me what do I need to do? So we look at a few steps of what we can do, some practical things that we can do to, to commit ourselves to putting up this fund. But I think one of the things I need to bring out clearly is there's always a temptation to earn money fast, or for your for your savings to grow fast. But savings and investments, you don't just invest money; you also invest time. I think it's crucial to say that. Many people have burnt their fingers as they're chasing uh, very high returns or shortcuts. You know, so that's one thing I want to make clear that this will be a long-term journey. Getting to those three months or six months uh, living expenses is not something that you start today and achieve in two months. It will take time, but start, start small and believe you me, uh, you will get there. So the first thing in terms of what to do is set a monthly savings goal. Set a monthly savings goal. Put an amount, say this is the amount I want to put aside each month to go into my uh, emergency fund. We can learn a lesson from the leopard. The leopard, it never lets its prey out of sight. The leopard will come, let's say there is a herd of gazelle. Let's say gazelle. It sports one particular gazelle. And that is the one it will go after. Regardless of any other gazelles passing in front of it, It will focus on that one, it will not be distracted. So let us learn and be like the leopard and set a goal and keep to it. So that's the first one, set a monthly savings goal. The second one is make a budget. You need to make a budget, you need to plan. Before you move, before you do anything, you need to plan. What budgeting does, it ensures your income is spent appropriately. It ensures there is no wastage. Of course, in your budget, you've also allocated what is going to your emergency fund. Also, we can learn from the elephant, because we're told the elephant never forgets. The elephant never forgets. If you did something wrong to an elephant, just make sure you don't meet with that elephant again. It never forgets. And its memory is actually its power, and it uses its memory to aid it in making correct decisions. It knows that last time I passed here, when I wanted to get water, I missed water. So that's not the route I want to take. Let me take this other one. But you know what? We are not elephants. We need to write down our plans. We need to write down our budget. We need to write down our expenses. Elephants have inbuilt memory. We need external memory. Yeah. So write down your budget. Last week, or last week, but when I talked about tracking expenses, tricky expenses, and you'll discover there's a lot, a lot of, of wastage. Dave Ramsey said, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it all went. Without budgeting, your money budgets you. That's what happens. Yeah, I told you guys how I took a loan for no reason whatsoever, and I could not account for that money. That's exactly what happened. yeah. <laughs> so that's the second one, make a budget. The third one, cut spending or cut wastage. So when you budget and when you track your, your expend, uh, expenditures, you will discover there are some things you're overspending on. There are some things you actually like, I didn't know that this thing takes up this amount of money from me every month, so with that you are able to adjust and cut on any uh, wastages. Last year I started carrying food to work, and I was amazed as to how much I can I can save just by carrying food, and I was like I wish I had started this uh, much earlier. So there are small things you can you can begin doing. I see some people smiling. I know men don't like carrying, yeah? <laughs> and I remember my wife used to tell me, Bever I, I can't carry." Carry. But you need to start making some decisions like that. Something else, you can look for free entertainment sources rather than subscriptions. They are there. Uh, Pastor Fredio is laughing because he knows. <laughs> some few weeks ago, uh, we were doing an exercise with we these guys. We were doing an exercise uh, on uh, on budgeting. So the thing was. Uh as couples, you draw a budget for your family based on one person's salary, and it has to be the lower salary, yeah, and it was interesting how guys are moving everything uh, somehow Netflix was just remaining there was put on as a one. <laughs> so, <laughs> you can actually find other entertainment sources rather than the subscription ones, yeah. and they can help you save a, a, a lot of money. The fourth one is uh, you can consider a side hustle. I know this is not for everyone, but if you're in that position, you can consider a side hustle. And by this I don't mean uh, something that is capital in intensive and that you'll break even in year five, no, (laughs) just just something else. You you, you can look for an odd job or if some of you are talented, you can actually monetize the giftings that you have and make a few extra coins, this helps. Then uh, number six, which I find very important, set up an automatic check-off or put a standing order. Yeah. Because this allows you not to eat your money. This takes away the temptation. You know, you know the way the money that goes to carry you? Since you started working, you've never seen it. You've never touched it. Yeah? That the same way. Have a deduction that is going to emergency fund automatically without your intervention. This will actually be a good thing. We are told about the lion. The lion, the alpha male, eats first ahead of the pack. Then the rest eat. So the same way, pay yourself first, your future self, that is, not your current self. Pay your future self first. (laughs) Don't pay yourself now, pay your future self. Put money aside for your future self, for those seven years of famine that you might uh, face. Someone asks, how much do I need to save? Save as much as you can. The lion eats as much as he can because he's not sure of his next meal. So save as much as you can. The final one is, for, for most of us, if not all of us, I'm sure we have bank accounts, yeah. I can, uh, I'd urge you to open an investment account over and above a bank account. So when your money comes in, you can quickly move it to your investment account. And we, I know we can have this discussion maybe even next week or for another day. But a good place to start, you can open a money market fund, right? So when your money comes in, at least you put it somewhere whereby it earns something. It earns something for you. But the idea of an emergency fund, it's also security. Make sure you don't invest or gamble with your money in a high risk investment. So security, and also somewhere whereby you can be able to access this money fast because an emergency does not wait. Yeah, so. Consider opening an investment account. I know that there are those without an income, a regular income, or an assured income, or even a job, but I'm sure there's a reason you are here this, today listening to this, and I decree that soon you'll be able to put these things into practice. Soon God will open a way for you to be able to earn, to, to earn regularly. And as I come to a close, we need to remember that everything that we talk about money, and I've been saying this in the last two weeks, is God comes above money. God comes above money. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And also Joseph, he told Pharaoh, it's God who will interpret this dream for you, it's not me. It started with God. To Egypt, prospering, it started with God. Let us not forget that. right? We also know the, the parable of the talents, of the parable of the bags of gold. Whereby this, the master was going out on, on a safari, so he called his servants and, and gave them, uh, one he gave them uh, five bags of gold, or they call them or talents, another one it was two, the other one was one. This guy went on his safari, then when he came back, he called them back. And each of them was reporting to the master and saying what they've done with the bags of gold they were given. So the one with five said, I took it, I multiplied it, now they are ten. Uh, the master told him, well done. The second guy came and said, you gave me two. I went and multiplied it, now it's four. The master told him, well done. Then, uh, this other guy who had one said, I went and hid it, and do yappa. Karibu you're welcome. And verse 26 of Matthew 25 says, the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when i returned i would have received it back with interest so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them so i think it's crucial to know that We are just but stewards of the resources that God has given us. What are we doing with what God has given us? You've seen the one who was faithful in what he was given. He was added even more by God. And that's what God does. You set out on this journey to put up an emergency fund. You'll do your calculations. Maybe you see how long it will take. But along the way, God will surprise you. Along the way God will surprise you if you are diligent in your stewardship of these resources that is given. Amen. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m to 1 pm at Rubani House on Shriji Road off Airport North Road.